Beautiful. All right. Uh, welcome back, everybody. After a, uh, a brief hiatus, I don't know if, if you call a month off brief, um, Arnie and I <laughs> did do a, uh, an interim budget podcast, which didn't actually make it to air because our recordings were a mess. Um, so we decided <laughs> to... All that uh, transparency here. <laughs> yeah, we decided to stop that one and uh, just re-go uh, re once we were all back together in one big happy family after uh, Brad had uh, made it back from gallivanting around the world. Um, we just made a nickname up for him. What was it? Bradley San Tabono, uh, based <laughs> loosely off Carmen San Diego. Um, so, yeah, many, many pictures and much, much jealousy from uh, my and Brad watching you gallivant around the world. But uh, Tell the tankers yeah. where you've been. Tell the tankers where you've been. Yeah, I've been, uh, spent six weeks in Patagonia. So, uh, from northern Patagonia in Argentina, around Bariloche, the Great Lakes down to the bottom of the earth, um, closest point to uh, Antarctica called Ushuaia. Um, and then did a bunch of hiking through a place called El Chalten and then went and saw the glaciers in El Calafate. I might even, uh, I watched a piece of ice about 25, 30 stories high by about 100 metres wide fall. Um, and so I might even try and sneak that into uh, a random place in this podcast because everyone can just see things crashing. You know, yeah. Post it to the Facebook page, yeah, because oh, those glacier photos were sick. Yeah, oh, great photos, great out photos. Of this, out of this world, boys. Yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah, no, we're going to be playing a bit of uh, car, what is it, Tabone, Carmen, San Diego, whatever it is this year. I think we've got Borneo, we've got a bit of Europe on the cards, we've got a bit of, of Asia. So, uh, San Tabone. Santa Bono. Santa Bono. But, uh, no, back in back in Australia now for at least a couple of months. So right, good to have you, mate, and good to be back, everybody. So uh, episode thirty, we're up to uh, money in the tank. Uh, Joel Seach, principal advisor. Arnie, tax professional. Brad, generalist. Robust, robust traveler. <laughs> robust traveler. Robust traveler. Indeed, indeed. I think the important thing is is that uh, we're committing uh, that we are going to be. Uh, Posting weekly, I think, is the. Uh, oh, Brad's got us on record. Weekly. On record. We're for you. We have a year for you. We're it's all about accountability. We're going to record every you. Thursday, and then it'll be out shortly thereafter. So, um, for the for the tankers that have been uh, missing us, um, we miss you too, and we're we're back. So we're, we're back. Back with, back with a vengeance, especially in these times of need. Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. we are we are going to discuss inflation, interest rates rising today, and a few other things. But best segment. Rifkin's rules, yes, we're nice, up, jolly. We're up the the the, uh, the, um, <laughs> the convertibles here. Alrighty, uh, let's have a look here. There is no such thing as a get rich quick scheme. When it does happen, it is pure luck. Don't forget that. No such thing. Agree more. <laughs> yeah, clearly, I, I, clearly, Rifkin's never heard of crypto. Crypto. Is that <laughs> Where's or it? he has. There he has. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I do like to refer it back to a baseball analogy. You can try and hit the home runs, but there's a lot of chances of striking out, or you can go for your second bases and your third bases and your single bases, and that will get you there, but just takes a little bit longer. Indeed. It's like, it's like that bit in Moneyball where he's like, Keeps throwing back to Jeremy Hill's character. It's like, what does he do? And he's like, he gets on base. Gets on base. <laughs> he gets on base. Gets yeah. on and look, um, but, uh, all these uh, crypto jokes, I would like to uh, point out that uh, our dear Fang stocks uh, are not uh, looking so great either. Uh, well, the whole, I'd say uh, growth tech stocks are actually probably faring worse 
been crypto over the last 12 months. So um, let's, let's have a look. Let's have a look just quickly, like Facebook stock. What's the, what's uh, it? Uh, Meta, thank you. Uh, yeah, Meta, all-time highs. What's it, what's it down from, Brad? Uh, I think Meta is down, I think 50%. Yeah. 50% from all-time highs. 50%, yeah. Uh, Netflix down. That's down like 73% or something. More, I think. Yeah, yeah. check it out. Yeah. I mean, these, uh, these I think it's uh, 80 so it was six days ago. It was seventy percent. It's actually seventy-four percent now. Amazon, Amazon down forty-one percent from its all-time yeah. high. So I mean, the, the markets as a whole, I think, are uh, in a bit of in a bit of trouble. So Rifkin, uh, you know, is is correct, and I think the, the clearest thing for me was I've been saying to a lot of people um, in the crypto space for about six or twelve months around um, the API why that people are getting. Um, in some of these kind of, you know, staking pools and loan pools and the rest of it. I mean, anyone that was a part of Luna yeah. <laughs> the past three days, I mean, I know someone, um, you know, through someone pretty close that kind of saw a, a $60 million portfolio turn into about a $1 million portfolio over three days. Um, wow. I mean, you know, anytime that you started hearing 20%, you know, return on your staked USDT, um, and, you know, they always said that it was 200 you know, attempt to kind of buy growth like a growth hack initially, and obviously the APY was going to come down over um, over time. But I mean, it just shows the risks out there, right? Sometimes things are too good. I mean, if you're if you're getting paid out a rate higher than what it is to borrow, um, generally this yeah. something something amiss. If well, it sounds so good, it is too good. Yeah, that's the, the first segment we're, we're going to cover off a few different segments, and Brad's touched on the first one. So while we're on it, I reckon we we dig into a little bit even um, at a high level for the listeners in terms of broadly speaking, you know, your Bitcoin fall and your Ethereum fall, which are the two, the two main hitters uh, out there. What do you think Brad sort of, um, you know, led to, to, to the fall off and um, you know, where's your, where's your thought pattern around it? I mean, again, um, I've been personally kind of liquidating crypto over the course of the last three, four months as the NASDAQ kind of, has been falling um, because the two are yeah, at the, some, at, at the moment. There's some correlation at the moment. There is still yeah. direct correlation, right? So I think, you know, when 87%, I've said this a couple of times, 87% of all crypto buying over the last 18 months has been institutional. So okay. there is no doubt that there is a, you know, it's a correlated asset um, at the moment. And you saw it every single time the kind of the NASDAQ sneezed um, or the market sneezed, crypto inadvertently kind of, with it i do still believe that in the kind of short to medium term um i think we are that's we are going to see that correlation break um i think once markets like growth tech markets and the rest of it find a bottom and find their multiple base again um i think you'll see the recovery in in the crypto space that's just my personal opinion with with inflation and the rest of it you know do your uh, general 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 nature but i mean in terms of crypto um you know yeah, I, I kind of liquidated a large amount about a week and a half ago. I was in the car and um, driving down the Pacific Coast Highway in LA, um, staying at a mate's place in, in Malibu, and he was asking me, should he, you know, should he get in? And the rest of it, I was like giving him my opinion, and I went, wait a second, if I'm giving you this opinion, what am I still doing like that much in it, right? <laughs> um, and so, you know, I got an SMS off him yesterday saying, have you seen the markets this week? So glad you are you acted on that. Because um, I think that while what kicked off this round was was two things. One was obviously the markets still. I mean, you know, the inflation number came in slightly higher. I know we're going to touch on that. Um, 
higher than the kind of 8.1 that they expected. Um, some good news in that, but you know, inadvertently it's, it's it's still higher than what they they expected. So there's probably going to be some rate rises. Continue rate rises. Um, that's one part of it, but I think the biggest part of it is um, what's happening with Luna. I mean, it was a um, the two Luna, so Terra and Luna. One was a stable coin, and one is the kind of smart contract platform off the off the side of that. Um, and Anchor is the is the mechanism in which kind of the, the creation of this stable coin, which was supposed to be pegged one to one with the US dollar. Um, it's an algorithmic um, stable coin. So um, it's not necessarily like every single time they mint one, they go get one US dollar and they hold it in reserves. They can use a, a mixy bag of different um, capital assets and they're using Bitcoin, Avalanche, Ethereum um, to kind of back the stable coin along with fiat. Um, and the idea behind that was that if anyone attacked it, like they did on this, in terms of make a, a bank run on the stablecoin um, and kicked off the, I guess, the, the burning, which is the, the deletion of, um, of Luna, um, that, you know, it would bring down the whole crypto market because they would have to sell Bitcoin and then therefore you couldn't, kind of couldn't be one crypto versus one crypto. Um, I mean, these hints around that it's BlackRock and Citadel, I mean, that we, they'll come out in the next couple of weeks. Um, but they've done a run on it. So they've basically been exiting billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars um, worth of um, USDT, which is that stablecoin. Um, and that's inadvertently caused the Luna Foundation to sell, I think, over now $3 billion worth of um, Bitcoin, along with Avalanche, along with Ethereum. And so it's just dumping some margin calls. Um you know, they're getting the, the the call to just dump it. And so what that does is create a bit of a death spiral, right? In terms of the, to keep the price and the peg up, they've got to be selling assets to liquidate. Um, and that's just dumped onto the markets. And that's created kind of one of those um, black swan events in, in crypto where who knows where the um, the next bottom is going to be. I mean, it's like the Bitfinex, there was Mt. Gox back in 2015 or 16 where... A lot of money. These sort of things generally shake the market, remove all the leverage from it. Um, so, I mean, if you we're down at the moment, I mean, we're down to twenty seven three hundred US. I was about Bitcoin. to. I was about yeah. to say, Brad, I was like just just quickly sorry to cut you off, but saying yeah, we're under thirty. I'm looking at it now. It says USD twenty seven six eight five. As I understand it, that Michael Saylor bloke, and I forget mm -hmm. the company he owns, but micro strategy. Yep. MicroStrategy, they're the ones who are very heavily invested in Bitcoin. Oh, yeah. I think their margin call, or sorry, their, their liquidation will start if Bitcoin hits around this price, like 27, 26. And then he had a tweet saying that if it gets to 21, that's it, like they're cooked. So if the, if the pressure stays on Bitcoin, more liquidations are going to be forced. Yeah. I mean, you've also got like ETFs. Um, you've got a whole bunch of stuff out there that um, not spot price ETFs, um, but you've got, you know, ETFs out there, like Grayscale and the rest of it. So, look, at the moment, um, it's getting tested, I would say. Um, I mean, there's never been an algorithmic stablecoin that has survived. Um, Luna was looking like it was the first one. It's the first one to get to about $18 billion in market cap. Duquan did a very good job in, in marketing it and the rest of it. Um, I mean, it rebounded it back up to about $0.80 cents per dollar, so it's getting close to the repeg, but it's dropped back down $0.66 cents on their uh, on Terra USD. Um, Bitcoin's, yeah, I mean, Bitcoin's down, what, 12% today. Ethereum's down 20% today. 
XRP's down 30%, Cardano's down 30%, Solana's down 35%, uh, Polkadot's down 30%, Avalanche's down 35%. Um, and so, look, the, the the clear thing is, you know, I've, I've said with people with capital on the side, if your risk tolerance is there and you want to start DCAing, start DCAing in. Um, I personally think, like with the markets and the inflation, until like, until inflation starts getting we get multiple data points that inflation is, I think, starting to get handled by interest rates and we're starting to see the impact fly, flow through. Um, and the leverage gets taken out and the markets find a bottom in this. I mean, it, it could could fall. We've seen, seen this happen like seven times in the crypto space where, you know, it goes up to 100 down to $4, goes up to 1500 down to 300 up to... 3,000 down to 400, up to 20, down to 4,000, up to 68, and we're down yeah. to 27. So, look, it's a high-risk investment. Um, if you've got a medium to long-term around it and you just want to sit there, fair enough, but um, it could still fall. Question, question, and then mm -hmm. question for both of you boys off the back of this question. Like, Brad, what's the likelihood that Luna and Terra resolve their issues? Very, I mean, now we're, I mean, the, the crazy thing about crypto is that it all happens in front of everybody. So people get to watch these things unfold. It's not like, you know... Um, it's not opaque, it, right? You can it's see not opaque like, uh, what's his name in Singapore that recently, you know... He's, Tiger he's, Global Huang. Well, yeah, Huang. The, well, the ex-Tiger Global guy. Yeah. Um, you know, even, I mean, even Tiger Global right now <laughs> is, yeah. in, is, in, is in some trouble. Um, and so it's, it's, it's transparent. It's front of mind. I don't see... Now that, as of this morning when we got back up to 80 cents, mm. I thought maybe the repeg will occur because um, this has happened before with Luna. Um, it depends on whether or not they can bring in institutional finance basically into it and bring in enough money to fight off the people that are actually on the other side doing this. Um, I don't see. So they may repeg Terra and then they have to rejig the community to try and get Luna back up, but Luna itself is... Is uh, pretty much gone. For well, the then the, the, the backup, the second question to you and Jolie off the back of that, and we've just lost Jolie's video, so hopefully he can still hear us. But the backup, the second question was what do you think about uh, This is general in nature, everyone, not financial advice. But what do you think about a $100 pump into Luna? Uh, if it's at 30 cents or whatever it is now, and they can recapture all time highs ever, like as a, as a chance that they could recapture like $113, you don't think $100? As, $100, as, $100 as I said to a friend last night who, uh, Eighth in about twenty thousand US at two dollars seventy. No, um, uh, <laughs> and I had another friend that was going to ape in about fifty k US into the stable coin, and this morning he was swearing at himself because it got back up to eighty cents, um, but it's dropped back down to sixty. Whatever. Um, I, <laughs> I just wouldn't even put hundred bucks on it. It's even yeah. worse than cheaper. It's even worse than cheaper. I was about to say the salt, the salt was cheap. My, my, my crypto senses are tingling. I might have to put $100 into Luna just to see what happens. <laughs> do it for the pod. Do it for the podcast. Oh, I'll, do yeah. it, I'll do it. As soon as this podcast ends, I will buy $100 worth of Luna if I can get it on. Uh... I mean, Luna was like honestly one of the most um, robust communities with community support. It had grown like in terms of its funding, its, its organization. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Terra linked to it and the way that they're burning strategy and algorithmic trading. I mean, it was set up, but like every, like, uh, I mean, like Rob Paul says, this is the market. The market will test everything. If the market can find a weakness somewhere, it's going to find it, test it, 
and uh, everything might work beautifully in uh, when it's rainbows and sunshine, but um, as soon as someone finds, like uh, Soros on the Bank of England and the rest of it, right, as soon as someone smells a little bit, and the next bit will be Arnie, like you said, with microstrategy and the rest of it. There'll I'm be people out there going, well, if, if that's the number, then let's chase it and see what we can do. Um, I, the thing with Bitcoin, though, is that, I mean, even with Terra Foundation dumping three to four billion in a couple of days, the price only dropped from about 32, 33 down to about 29, 30. So there is that. I'm currently <laughs> trying to log into my Binance just to double check that um, I can actually buy this Luna. And if I can, I'm doing it for sure. <laughs> 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 but um, yeah, look, I wouldn't. If, if people are still sitting there today, right, and you didn't get out back at like 39.40 at Bitcoin and you're sitting at 27, I mean, do general advice on the rest of it, but um, not sure, not sure what the downside is at this point. Yeah. Well, never, yeah. never, never look at something going down 90% and don't, don't believe that it can go down another 90% is all I have to say to people. No, no, yeah. it's, uh, I know it's, That's smart. it's, it's, it's an old kind of testament, an old saying, and it's boring, but that, that just heeds the advice of diversification being such an important part of, you know, anyone's situation because you hear about that, you know, was it Sailor, you know, the company and the leverage position they've got themselves into mm. with, leveraged into crypto um you're, you're putting you're putting your company on the line and your your livelihood on the line and and essentially thing, Joel. i know people have done it personally right that have like have got one foot in retirement mm. and and put you know 90 percent of their wealth into crypto yeah and it's i mean it's any asset if you put 90 percent of your wealth into growth yeah. tech stocks right it still wouldn't yeah. have diversification is yeah I mean, yeah. I've, I've been lucky enough that um i've had some kind of resource like oil and gas stocks over the last couple of months completely actually make yeah. more than yeah. make more than what I was losing in my yeah, tech stocks and in my crypto portfolio. Yeah. So yeah diversification and yeah you I, I yeah I'm just like just a disclaimer I'm just memeing like I probably will buy a hundred dollars worth of Luna for the pod but I've lost money on my on my ship when I should have sold out when it hit its all time high. So yeah it's like you gotta be careful of these things and taking profit is a skill. Uh, and we all get greedy and yeah diversification and hedging like yeah it's important in, in, when you're managing your money mm. yeah, yeah i mean again Arnie, on that one example was that one of the oil and gas stocks like you know it, at the point that i sold about 30 percent of it at 7x right mm. and i i uh i took it and everyone was like you know a couple of other people that are involved in it about two weeks later, it was at 11 or 12x, and everyone was like, oh, you idiot. Rah, rah. <laughs> uh, and it's dropped back down to about 5x. And yeah. so, taking, taking, I always, it took me, what, 35 years to realize <laughs> that taking money out as it goes up is a, a wise thing and then diversifying that, right? You've been, so trading, you you've been yeah. trading stocks since the womb, mate. You've been <laughs> came out trading. Since the womb came out trading. Came out with his eToro app. So, <laughs> let's go, we'll go to Jolly in a minute and we'll talk about inflation, interest rates, but just quickly, just to cap off what, what's happened to Fang, because I had a look while you guys were talking about crypto. Apple, down 15% from its all-time high, so it's still holding up well. And that's one that I'm looking at as a potential, like that, mm-hmm. that, that dominant has to fall eventually. And Google down 23.6%. So still holding up pretty well. Anyway, let's, uh, is there anything else you want to say about crypto markets? Is that a pretty detailed explanation of what's going on from Brattles about what's happening? Yeah, I mean, I just think watch your space. Um, and again, as part of any kind of diversified strategy, I mean, look at kind of the deflationary side of, of, of the asset and um, what its possibilities are over the kind of short, medium, long term. 
So bet the farm on bet the farm on Luna. No, just kidding. You can't go broke making a profit. Um, yeah, it's true. You know, when when you when things are starting to you know have a bit of upside, you're never going to pick the top. Maybe one out of a hundred times you'll pick the top. So you know if you if you do feel like you're at a point where you'd like to diversify and and take some profit, um, do so with confidence and don't look back and. And move on, um, you know, yeah. move on to the next thing, and 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 don't leave yourself too high and dry in terms of if things do take a hit or, or a tumble that you're not forced into a you know a crystallization of a loss mm. unnecessarily. Um, yeah, really, really important, and and having enough kind of defensive cash or whatever it may be to sort of ensure that you're not, yeah, you're not leaving yourself in a vulnerable position in that regard because markets do fall investments assets whatever it may be will have you know has its time in the sun has its periods of volatility and you you know when you talk investing you're talking you know for a long-term time horizon so they're just some um i guess some some tidbits there to add to that yeah spot on jolly and so inflation and interest rates how do you want to tackle this beast yeah i guess just from domestic in australia uh we we had the rba meets the first tuesday of uh of may uh and we had the the rate rise uh, it was 25 basis points wasn't it from 10 basis points up to mm-hmm. uh, 35 so all right um, just quickly i saw a very funny article about that people saying that like you know um the Australia has gone too hard or too fast or something like that because it rose <laughs> 25. Like when people were expecting yeah. it just to be 0.15 yeah. to get it to... Whereas I'm on the other side of the fence, as you guys know how uh, bullish I am on interest rates over the last 12 months. Yeah. Um, yeah. I saw the 25, told Jolly, I made a quick couple of hundred on the on the, on the bet markets, but... Uh, yeah. It needs to be faster than that. <laughs> yeah, they'll go again after the election. So we've got the federal election obviously coming up as well. And, you know, the RBA, RBA is renowned as a very conservative, you know, um, uh, conservative department. And they want to be seen as independent. So that's hence the reason they they were happy to pull the good on, them. Rate, on the rate rise prior to the election. And I didn't think I, it would happen. I, always, I, I mean, I did, but I was hoping it was going to because I hope yeah. that it was independent. I think what you, you just said there, Joel, is a, is yeah. a key key point. I think they're showing that they are uh, independent, which is what yeah. they should be. Do you think they would do it, Joel? Do you think they'd do it before? Um, I'm trying to think uh, back to my understanding. As it got closer, you could see kind of the rest of the world inflation really starting to ramp up and the pressure was starting to build. So I think I, I actually felt like they probably would. Um, and then they'll go again next month and they'll probably go again the month after mm-hmm. and whether we have a 50 basis pointer thrown in there possibly too. And it'll eventually kind of, they, they'll probably want to see out the year at least one and a half to maybe 2% mm-hmm. towards the end of the year. Um, you know, and it's funny, I guess, for the listeners out there, the RBA, Reserve Bank of Australia, is considered and, and should be an independent um, department and, and um, not, not linked up with politics, but they are, aren't usually known to raise a rate prior to election because they don't want to sort of, you know, sway an election because some of those politicians, you'll see the market saying, oh, the last, you know, 10 years we've been in power, the interest rates have been X amount and under the other party, they're at X amount. Well, it's got yeah. nothing to do with, you know, you know politics. All. It's, it's the RBA making an independent decision on the actual economy. So and the economy is, and it's, an, it's a lag decision, right? So yeah, it's yeah. decisions made create an inflationary pressure and in job markets, and then they make decisions afterwards. It's got yeah. nothing oh. to do. So for the listeners, right. there, yeah, don't, uh, don't listen to the rhetoric of politicians. And I've yeah. seen heaps of that, though. Like in this election, it's like oh, I've seen so many comparisons about like, like using economic data, and it's like, especially tax data, and it's like, the tax rates have changed completely from the last Labor government to the current Liberal government. So it's like, anyway. 
Yeah, so yeah. Um, so I guess in terms of that, so we've got the federal election coming up, the state in Victoria where we are uh, later in the year, but uh, interest rates needed to go up. They caught tightening of monetary policy. So um, it's, it's tightening up the monetary policy. So they, they, they're increasing the interest rate and the cost of borrowing money. So that then impacts uh, borrowers. So at the tail end of that, you've got your, your people that you know are borrowing money to, whether it's to invest or whether it's to own a home or whatnot or businesses, those cost pressures will get passed on to those areas or companies that are leveraged, as we just spoke about with tech stocks before. Um, that's the, one of the reasons they've been mm -hmm. hit. Um, so yeah, so that then hopefully that, that what they want to see happen with the tightening of monetary policy and when it's going the other way, it's easing of monetary, but they want to see that tighten up consumers belts and companies belts, which will then help flow into the market of inflation and the cost of goods and those things that are rising too rapidly. They don't want to see inflation rising as rapidly as it's been rising. I think it maybe hit about a 3.7, the last okay. check, which will... Yeah, last checked a quick uh, 3.7, which will go up again. Um, up 8.5 in December. Three. I think 8.3. Yeah. And yeah. just remember to everybody, that's now, this is the first yep. month that we're now comparing against kind of inflationary data. So when we used to compare it against kind of the previous month, 12 months ago in the US at least, we're comparing it against a mm. flat environment. Uh, mm. We're now comparing it against where kind of inflation started kicking up. Australia is probably another... I'm saying I think about six months behind. Um, so yeah, and as a um, you know, as, as a side as well with inflation, the Reserve Bank's target range long term is two to three. So yeah. you what you don't want to see is is what's happening in other parts of the world, and what will probably end up happening here with our next interest rate uh, assessment. Uh, sorry, inflation assessment is it, you don't want to see cost of goods ramp up really quickly, which we're already seeing. I think. You know, Blind Freddy can see it, the cost of goods, input prices, the, you know, the labour costs, petrol, costs everywhere, petrol. One interesting point of note for the tankers is normally when inflation runs rampant, it's because an economy is doing well and it's running hot. Correct. In this, in this case, it's the opposite. It's, it's the economy is suffering because of all of these... Logistical um, problems. Exactly. So, mm. so essentially... It's hard. Yeah, we, it's hard we, on the balance. It is very hard. And like places like America are, are staring down the barrel of, you know, a recession and potentially stagflation. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully we're a bit more insulated than that. I think we would be mm. because of um, resources you know, help a little bit as well with us. And with our two-tier economy, 100%. Yeah. And, and the US, I mean, the US is in a predicament, honey. Like you just said, yeah. it's, it's, it's runaway level. You know, you would say there is runaway inflation um, at the moment. And you've also got, on the other hand, uh, kind of a recessionary environment where if they bring down inflation by continuing to raise rates, then they're going to be stopping the, I guess, the kickoff to the economy that they were yeah. hoping for, which is already showing signs of spluttering, right? Yeah, and yeah. so with consumer confidence and the rest of it. So. so they're really kind of key. The governments are really key on wanting the, the economy to recover. And it has been recovering, speaking, I guess, domestically in Australia, it's recovering, but it, it's getting to a point where it's recovering off a really low base or a lowish base and really low interest rates. So that, that magnifies the recovery and it speeds things up too quickly, which then causes inflation and all these input costs and the lack of, I think I mentioned a point before, the lack of migration, immigration, so the lack of staffing and employees and yep. that then pushes wages growth up, which then feeds through to the end consumer. So yep. 
all those things that they don't want to see that occur and, and it's not good for anyone when inflation inflation you know it's a bit like salt a little bit's good um, you know, it's nice to have. Or, or I'm going to steal that one, Jolly. It's like yeah, a it in the back pocket. That's good. A glass, of, like a glass of red wine a night, or a little, you know, a bit of, <laughs> bit of red wine. It's good, but too much. Uh, it's not good. No good. No good. And no I think um, the key, the key things to think as well here, just to kind of give the information to uh, the tankers, is that like Joel's obviously talking about the you know the resource, you know, lack of resources for for labour in the market, right? Um, we've got that obviously only talked on the, the supply side of things and we've talked about Russia and Ukraine and kind of, you know, whether it's the energy markets or whether it's, um, the, for instance, the food market. So the food impacts on inflation, we haven't, we've seen this from last season. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't actually seen this current farming season play out across the world. Um, and so I think when people are looking at, um, I think you had Intel and Samsung just come out and TSMC again come out with, um, chips probably not going to recover until 2024, 2025 now with all the healing issues and the rest of it. Same as autos. Autos, because, I mean, you've got um, Ukraine, obviously, is a massive wire harness um, thing, so VW and the rest of the kind of shutdown stuff. I think we're, we're, in, a, we're in a kind of a, an interesting um, uh, place at the moment worldwide. I think Australia is a great kind of, if you, if you could be in a place at the moment, Yeah, I think Australia is a great place. I mean, I've just recently been in Argentina where the... Average inflation rates around seventy percent, and um, I mean they're hitting eight percent in a month. And I mean, you speak to people there, and they've been living in this inflationary environment for a while. And um, just so I've, been, quick... I've, been, I've been been to Argentina, Brad. But tell us, like, going into a shop there, are they using like they have an update their prices daily, like with whiteboard, weekly, or... weekly, or monthly? So yeah. what ends up happening is, um, so the Argentinians that I speak to, they've all said that they now cannot plan in their life. And they haven't for about a decade, more so for the last five years. Um, they live basically day to day. Um, yeah. So you get paid, you buy everything that day um, because you your wage is, you don't know what's tomorrow. So, an idea um, you know, a bottle of wine that um, Juan and Aisha went out for the night before, um, I went in the next day and ordered the same bottle of wine and it was 22% more. Yeah, and you know, you haven't seen anything like that in Australia, and that's a that's a perfect example, an extreme example of why it's extreme. But I mean, you've got Turkey, not good. You know, why inflation's not good. So yeah, I mean, you've got Turkey running at what they they were a G six seven country, right? And um, they're running it. I think they did seventy percent last month. Um, And so no inflation, runaway inflation, not good. Not Not that um, I think not good. But as you mentioned, Jolly, I think you know, being in Australia and being kind of the the economy that we have and that we're not necessarily I know we we are interconnected into the worldwide economy and the rest of it, but I think we're we're pretty lucky where we are at the moment coming off a pretty stable economy. Well, like put it this way, worse come to worse, we've basically got certainty of supply here of all of the things we need for our own country. Mm. So if we if we need to be self-sufficient, we can. Yeah, prices will go up. But we're going to be okay. So. I think the main the main thing I reckon the government wants to see happen, and I reckon both 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 parties would want this to occur. The big major parties is that um, migration to pick up that that tourist that visa yeah. holder. They want they want that 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 opens up a lot, and that really There's temporary workers for labour. Temporary workers uh, for labour, massive because that flows onto all the different businesses. So I, I think, think they're both des- desperate for that to occur. Just just touching on that inflation thing, I know. 
like we're probably in like the darkest days at the moment. And it's like, as as Brad said, we're going to have flow on effects for the next couple of years. Mm. But but the good news, like the optimistic side of me says that like these, this issue will resolve eventually. It's not like it's going to be forever. Yep. Once the supply side comes back and takes away all that extra demand, we're going to see these issues ease. It's just a matter of how we get there. So yeah, I think people are working on it. Obviously, like every every day. Yeah, when it when it yeah when it's you know in in times like this and in times that when you see the markets crap you know taking really big hits, it does feel a lot of doom and gloom. And the headlines mm-hmm. reiterate that, and they don't help that. But it it, it doesn't get you know. Have a look at property it. over the last month, Joel. I'm almost yeah. laughing. I mean, I I I sent around occasionally the old uh, the old article to some people, and uh, for like you know. Even when I was hollering at interest rates of property only about six, eight weeks ago, there wasn't a negative article around. In the last yeah. the, four days yeah. ago, yeah. four days ago, there was this article, I think it said like the reckoning is here. And I was yeah, like, yeah. Please. They, love, they love the headline grabbers. And that's for the listeners out there, take take the 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 finance journalists and the ones on you see on Facebook with a grain of salt. If that's any advice I can give you. I wouldn't even give them a grain of salt. Yeah, <laughs> uh, nothing. So yeah, it's it's like if you if you listen to them throughout your life, you'd end up doing nothing and creating no wealth for yourself or no long-term investment because they're they're just constantly trying to grab headlines off anything. And it's lazy journalism. It's it's super lazy. They're not coming coming in with any kind of fact. At some stage, they'll be right to an extent, and that'll kind of, you know, give box them- right twice a day. I mean, yeah, so just an example from my own life, boys. I've I'm going to be feeling the pain in the next 12, 24 months because we did not lock in our mortgage interest rate because we want to sell, and so we've kept it variable. And I know I'm going to eat those price rises in the mortgage payments, the interest rate rises, but we still think we want to sell within sometime within the next twelve to twenty four months. So it's one of those things where I'm. I'm kicking myself that I can't lock in. I wish I could lock in for five years, but at the same time, well, you know, not now. I wish I could have done it like last year. But because we knew it was on the horizon, I thought I got to roll the dice here. Exactly what Joey said. Like I might eat some short-term pain. Just got to roll the dice sometimes, right? And outside outside of money, like moving homes is one of those things where you want to find the right place for you. It's like obviously money is a factor in it, but it's more about the tangible benefit of having a home you love. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, it's a lifestyle asset. Your home. Yeah, a lifestyle. Yeah. Um, it's it's a you know it can be a good investment asset too, but you don't para, uh, do it for the paramount reason of making it an investable asset. It's your principal place of residence. It's a lifestyle, and hindsight's twenty twenty vision when it comes to interest rates. And you know a lot of people with their home loans, they've just kept their repayments as they are anyway. Or they've built up their offset accounts or redraw accounts. So what the interest rates were two, three years ago, they've just kept the same repayments going and yeah. won't even really notice the, the pinch of a rate rise. So, you know, it's, 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 yeah. I think it's only really those new home buyers in, right? And I've, I've been saying this to everybody that like, if you've got your home and you want to be there for a while, like, meh, you know, just, <laughs> and, yeah. you can, and you can fund rate rises. But um, I think it's just, uh, you know, I do know a, a few people that have recently in the last 12 months, um, you know, purchase into something, Joel, and they yeah. probably you know push their LVR till to the max, and mm. uh, you know if interest rates get up to five six percent, then then you know they're 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 uh, in a little bit of trouble. Because I think everyone's yeah. just got to do their own seek your own financial advice. And, yeah, uh, I mean, sure. yeah, general in nature, and you know when they do do serviceability tests, they put in a good ten basis point buffer, I think it is. So they you know you've got some cushion in there of 
of what they feel because you you don't yeah you don't you, you, you the interest rates we've been experiencing like you go to a lender you're getting two percent that's not normal. Um, it's not normal at all. Joey, if an LV, if someone's LVR gets pushed over eighty, do you then have to start paying lenders mortgage insurance? Uh, Even if you're already in the in no, the no, because they don't. I don't believe they the banks do a revaluation on the home, so it's only upon going into a home okay. or an investment property they'll assess the LVR and do a valuation. It's usually it's quite unusual that a bank will go back and call on a. I think that's uh, different between Australia and the US because I think the US obviously during the GFC were. Um, doing just that, but I don't think Australia people, does. Yeah, people were handing back their keys in the GFC and there was no recourse. It was just like the bank had to take the loan back and take the asset that had decreased. Um, there might be, the listeners might, there might be some kind of cases in, in mining towns potentially where they might have done it in Australia, but it's 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 not uh, off the top of my head a normal thing. Difference to a margin call when you're borrowing, you know, in stocks, you can get called on that. But Home homes generally very rarely. It's usually on the way in is when you get your assessed. You get assessed on serviceability and you get assessed on the LVR at that time and you get a valuation on the property. Thanks, mate. Um, so yeah, I'm cognizant of time. Um, we've got about ten minutes to go, so um, yep. hopefully that covers off a little bit about uh, the interest rates and uh, the election and the inflation. So keep an eye on. Oh, what's going to happen over the next? You know, coming, I think yeah. Joel, you, you yep. said like what's probably going to happen over the next kind of six to, to nine months. So. Yeah, yeah, so we'll, we'll be there for the journey with you, and um, yeah, when it uh, yeah, you know, we'll get through the periods of challenging times, and uh, you know, then things turn around, and you sometimes actually forget challenging times as well. It's quite interesting, you know. It is. Um, yeah, how the mind works and the psyche works. But um, Arnie, I know you wanted to to touch on a listener question, uh, a Q and A uh, regarding Russia and Ukraine, or Russia more specifically around um, the segregation of them from the. Uh, the global economy. So did you want to maybe read out the question and just um, put a few um, snippets out there around that? Yeah, mate. Yeah, I will. Thank you. So sorry, Bo, this is, this is Bo's question. And he asked us a while ago, and we, you and I tried to address it in our pod that never made it to air. So we'll do it again with the benefit of Brad. So but Bo asked, and this is old news, I guess, in, in one sense, like Russia being banned from SWIFT, which is the international payments system. Will this cause a bifurcation in global economies? So simple terms yeah it will and it is already doing so and i know well, that, this was um, I mean, segregation of their themselves as an economy from the world so so bifurcation is in splitting so there'll be a western economy western world like nato countries and then there'll be people who are willing to deal with russia so some examples that are actually occurring is like china is dealing with russia india is dealing with russia but there is uh still some some pros and cons for the different parties to either side of that agreement like for example India is picking up a lot of cheap hydrocarbons from Russia uh, because Russia's got no one else to sell them to. So I think at a discount of 30, 40% is what they're yeah, saying. Yeah, exactly. Rubles. So that's obviously a win for India. Uh, and Russia's still getting some money in the doors for their most valuable, you know, exported assets. So it, it already is causing a bifurcation, Bo. Um, I know there was some news that came out about the Russian economy, the ruble, what happened when the sanctions were announced and how it tanked the value of the ruble. But then there was a certain number of measures that um, Russia, the Russian government put into place to try and... Oh, manipulated. Well, manipulated in one sense, but also... Definitely manipulated, yes. But also there's um, a few things they've done which are uh, bona fide. For example, they're they're buying buying gold and they've capped it at 5,000 rubles an ounce of gold. So if you look at... 
if you look at like before the uh, conflict broke out, I think that was paying like about, I don't know, 10% above what the, what the price was in Russian rubles at the time. And now obviously it's not as good, but the rubles rebounded. So they're, they're doing it in a number of ways. And I just want to shout out to this YouTuber named Perun, 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 P-E-R-U-N, an Aussie uh, YouTuber who does mostly videos about war finance and war economics. So if you want to check him out, he's got some great videos about this, but he's got this in particular one slide in one video where he talks about the step-by-step guide to Russia saving the ruble. And they've done it in five steps, which I've just got noted down here. So one, they're buying it themselves, um, you know, so buying their own weaker currency with more expensive ones to increase demand for that currency. They're bribing people not to sell it by having initially 20% interest rates in their bank accounts. uh, Now I think it's down to 17% now. They're forcing others to buy it. So as I mentioned before, if you want to buy the Russia hydrocarbons, pay in rubles. Uh, they're banning people from selling it and they're making it hard for people to sell via imports. So that's sort of what they've done. They've artificially propped it up and they've also done similar things in their stock market. Like they closed the stock market, then they reopened it for um, you know only certain stocks and they've also banned foreigners from selling Russian stocks. So yeah, this is all via, I mean, I've, I've read this stuff before, but if you want to look at Perun's video and it's called The Price of War, Can Russia Afford a Long Conflict? Um, Shout out to Faustus for giving me the link to this. It's a very, very good, it's about an hour long, so it's long, but it's a very good summary of what's going on. And it compares um, the NATO economies versus the Russian economy and talks about, you know, can, can Russia outlast NATO? And it's, that's sort of the crux of it. So, yeah. It's what was the outcome there, Arnie, just out of uh, curiosity? For the whole video? Yeah, because I don't uh, believe they can. Well, he from gives what, his, what analysis I've read. Well, he, he sort of gives his closing closing thoughts, not not an analysis per se. Like he does go through some analysis, but he's basically saying essentially no. Like eventually, yeah, no. eventually the West will outlast them, but it also depends on what they do following the war ending. Like if they go in, if they rebuild Russia, if they show everyone that if you attack not a NATO ally, but someone, you know unnecessarily we're just going to support them through finance through anything through aid through whatever you need and then when you when you're done we're going to go in and rebuild them better and bigger uh that will just show that there's almost like no point to the war in, in one okay. sense obviously there's a lot, of, a lot of lost lives and that's horrible but yeah yeah i think the key, the key thing as well is to just remember that um like you know for instance i used to be big on the, they're initially with you know india and china buying a lot more of the hydrocarbons right yeah. But then, you know, recently on a bit of analysis, because I you know, spam too much uh, content today, um, started going into um, the limitations of, you know, Russia's only got one um, uh, freezing LNG port that's that's not even really up to 100% yet. And so even if they wanted to sell to markets, because their pipelines don't run into India, and there's only uh, and the pipelines that are currently running to Europe don't connect into the pipelines with China. And yeah. so even if they want to sell a lot more, they can't, and so with um, like the G7 and, and Europe putting a ban into, <coughs> excuse me, into oil, not into gas, but into oil, um, you know the, the Russian economy can still, even though the ruble has been propped up by these measures, um, I think it's yeah, they, they, can, they can last. They can last a long time, and that video also talks about they build up the war chest, they build up you know um, well, their reserves, but they but they can't last forever, so. No, and I think the other key thing is they also, for some reason, I don't even know this one yet, but um, they forgot that they borrow the US dollar off the US. They don't own it. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, having 400 of their 600 billion and foreign reserves frozen, I think that kind of hurt their war chest a little bit. And also, do we talk about diversification earlier? <laughs> you gonna, after this, you're going to advise Putin? No, good question and good answer. I think, you know, we are, I think, you know, we, this is going to maybe lead to, um, you know, the USD. I think we're going to see in the next year or two a secondary kind of... Um, States currency, we have reserve currency. Not the US dollar's not going away, but there will be probably a second one coming in. Yeah. Um, you know, whether SWIFT stays dominant or there's a secondary one coming in. Um, well, maybe for that bifurcated economy, like SWIFT will still be the Western world's payment mechanism, but maybe I know Russia's been trying to build their own one. But I don't know. 59, 59 countries at the moment uh, have got sanctions of US dollars. So there is a number for you. Yeah, that's a lot. I don't, I don't, I'm conscious of time and I've got a great 50 50, watch your choice, gun to your head, you know, whatever you want, boys, because. I actually thought about this during the week in honor of Brad being uh, in, in Chile, in Patagonia. So, and us being Mel- Melburnians, this might also be a matter of uh, uh, state pride here, but I was thinking 50-50, what vest do you prefer? A Patagonia vest or a North Face vest? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Linking um, it back to Patagonia in Chile. I'm going to go a North Face vest. <laughs> Because you're a Melbourneite, or, or why? why? No, nah, I just think the, the North Face brand is better than the Patagonia brand. <laughs> That's about all there is to it. Uh, but if I could, uh, if I could travel in Nepal versus Patagonia, I'll take Patagonia. There you go. Okay. Um, now, is North Face an Australian brand? Excuse the ignorance. Ooh, I don't no, know. No, no. I think okay. it's US. I think it's based on the North Face yeah. of Everest design. Now, I'm wondering, is the differentiation of brand there... Should that Kathmandu? Kathmandu is Aussie. Pat- Patagonia is a sustainable brand, isn't it? It in is. In terms of the, it is. The, the clothing. So, Ooh, hey, I don't, I don't know how sustainable North Face is, so I'm going with Patagonia. Oh, oh you, brought, you brought ESG into this. It's brought ESG into the decision-making. I love it. Okay. Uh, well, <laughs> thinking about the environment, I was thinking about my footprint. Well, you know what? I was going to say North Face until you brought that into it, but I'm still going to go North Face. Like, if I take out the ESG considerations and just think about, you know, a Melbourne... A Melbourne fashion staple. A Melbourne. I'm doing. I'll offset it with other other means. But uh, a Melbourne fashion staple. I'll go North Face. Yeah, it got a bit of publicity the last couple of years in lockdown, didn't it? From uh, from one state premier. Yeah, yeah. He loves his man. jacket. He loves Dan his jacket. Man. Yeah. It's all about North Face and uh, getting on the beers. Absolutely. I, I, I do love that. Uh, this is fifty fifty today. Great. <laughs> I thought it was going to be, uh, you know. Luna survives or doesn't survive. Uh, very good oh. 50-50. And the reason, <laughs> the reason we do it is because you've got all these different choices in the world, guys, girls and guys, and uh, many different investment choices and lifestyle mm. choices too. So a little bit of lighthearted fun at the end of the pod. So You know what yeah. they say? You know what they say, Johnny? They say vote with your dollars. So your ESG consideration was a very good one. Yeah, thanks, mate. I appreciate it. So, yeah, Patagonia, you got my tick. But... Uh, no, great, uh, great chat today. Thanks for uh, tuning in and uh, and listening to episode thirty. Uh, we uh, we appreciate your patience whilst we uh, got ourselves together and uh, got back and connect. And uh, we will uh, we will endeavour and ensure that we lock in our diary for uh, weekly going forwards. Yeah, Brad cracking the whip. We're doing weekly now. Yeah, weekly looking, now. Forward, looking forward to bringing you some more content, guys. So, and you can get us at Money in the Tank, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Thanks. Drop a comment. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.